Happy 2022, uh, and welcome back to our online uh, service. Uh, grateful to spend some time uh, in worship with you, and uh, also want to just take some time in His Word. Before we go there, would you just pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for, for your truth. Thank you for your word. That is life. It's living. It's powerful. It cuts right to our heart. It shows us what's wrong in our lives. It teaches us to do what's right. It helps us to know who you are. Helps us to know whose we are. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, that whether in this room or online or, or wherever we may be in this moment, that, you, uh, that we'd hear your voice, clear, direct, and, uh, Father, that we'd be, have the courage to be obedient to what you desire for us. Pray this in your name, Jesus. May you be glorified. Uh, amen. Well, I want to jump uh, right into uh, a brand new series uh, that we just want to call Building a Biblical Worldview in 2022. Uh, and I, I wonder, have you thought much about your worldview? Have you thought about, you know, how you see the world? What's a, what's a worldview? Worldview is a, a comprehensive conception of the world from a specific st- standpoint. So it's basically, here's where I land, and this is how I see the world. And uh, I'd encourage us over the next little while to, to think about what that, what that view is and uh, where, it, where it's based or what we've based it on or where we find, our, where we find that standpoint and how it affects our lives. Uh, and I guess the important thing to, to know is the basis uh, your worldview is, is your basis for how you make your daily decisions. The way you see the world is how you respond to the world. The way you see the, res- the world is how you respond to others. The decisions, the actions that you make in your life. And we know that different people see things differently. Uh, the last number of years, we've had to really experience that, that people see things from a very different perspective and feel very strongly about it. I thought about that, you know, as even just on one of the, the websites as just researching uh, worldviews. They gave the example of an apple. Uh, whereas you give different people looking at an apple, you know, the botanist like Zane, he would examine it, he'd classify it. He's like, this is such and such a variety. And it's, a, it's like exactly 17.3 weeks old hanging, you know, in its natural habitat. Uh, and then you'd have, you know, the artist, maybe like my daughter Reese, who would be like, wow, that's a perfect specimen for, you know, for a um, still life model. And, and she begin to draw or paint it in a watercolor. Or maybe you got a grocer who, you know, is like, why? Wait a second. That's, that's, that's uh, an asset. That's profit. And, and you grabs it and inventories it. Or maybe, you know, a child just looks at him and is like, yep, that looks tasty and just eats it. Different people see it from, a, from different perspectives and it affects their decision based on what, what they do with it. You know, in the past, uh, over the past year, I had to get glasses. And I actually, uh, so I brought him along. I actually knew a guy who, uh, he was a pastor. He would wear a fake set of glasses because he thought it made people would think that he was wiser. So let me ask, is it working? My media team chuckles, so I guess they (laughs) they would disagree. But glasses do something. You know, for some, they'll make it clear. You put somebody else's glasses on, it can be blurrier. You put sunglasses on, it makes everything you see darker. Uh, I remember my ski goggles having this yellow tint, and you put them on, and everything seemed brighter. But but the thing about glasses is that you 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 don't look at them. When you're wearing them, you look through them. You know, the idea is that you don't even notice that they're there. It's just they affect the way you see everything. And that's what a worldview is like. You don't, you don't always, or very rarely, do you ever look at your worldview. You just take it for granted that you're actually looking through a worldview at a world around you. And my question today is this. When it comes to your worldview, what, what glasses are you wearing? You know, what, uh, as followers of Jesus, what should our worldview be? You know, we live in this world of opposing worldviews. 
There's different worldviews and, and uh, all around and, and the way people look at things and there's, there's opposition in them. And today, I'm not, my goal really today isn't to try and define all of the worldviews. There's many of them and mixtures of, of some, uh, some of them, but more to examine what, what are those worldviews based on? What are they based on? Because it falls into two categories. There's worldviews based on, the, on a belief in God and then there's worldviews that are based on a belief that there is no God. And the question we have to ask ourselves as Jesus followers, what is our worldview based on? So to the Jesus followers would say, yes, I have a belief in God. My question is, is this, do we think Christianly? Do we think Christianly? In our worldview, do we, do we think Christianly? It's a, it's a phrase that I heard Joe Boot use at a conference I was at. And it's, it's that, it's, it's, the, the thought behind that is, do I look at the world through the lens of Scripture? Do, do I allow Scripture to, to dictate my worldview? The way I see the world is through the lens of Scripture. Or do I, do I even know the Bible well enough to know whether I look at the world through the lens of Scripture? And for many a Christian, that's, that, that's probably the biggest question to answer to today is, how well, how well do I know the Bible? Do I know it well enough that it actually affects my life? Uh, for many in North America, the, uh, there's this, there's this the, uh, I, don't, I don't even know how to say this, balance between Christian life and secular life. And, and it's, they think there's, there's two kind of things. This is my Christian life. This is what I believe about these kind of things. But then I have my job and my secular life and whatever else, the other part of my world that I'm involved in and, and my political life or whatever. And, th- and it feels like there's these two separate things. But the truth is, there is no separate, um, there is no separate life. There is no Christian life, secular life. There's just one life. You might have, you know, a worldview of glasses that has one lens that's focused sort of biblically and one lens that's focused uh, in, in, from a worldly or secular perspective, but you're still one life and you're looking at the world through a blended, through a blended lens. It comes down to this question, you know, there's only one life that's being lived out with one worldview and, and, and how are we living it? How are we living it? Because it's your life. It's my life that's being lived out this. And what is our worldview um, based on? And, and when you talk about worldview, what does it matter? It matters when we look at topics and things that are happening in life. How do we see them? Like, what, how does our worldview define topics like, like God? How does, it, how does it define things like humanity or, or life or, or death? How do, we look at, how do we look at things like death? What about good and evil? How do we look at what's good and, and judge based on what's good and what's evil? Or, or what about identity? Or some of the tricky ones that maybe we're going to uh, touch based on over the next few weeks. What about gender? What about identity? What about sexuality? What, what defines that in our, in our life? What defines our worldview around that? What about the, the topics of love? You know, or that, that, the, the flip side of that, being unloving. What about sin? There, there's a word we don't love. But what, what defines the way we look at that topic? What about marriage or government or money or truth? What about everything in life? What are we actually looking through when we see those things happening in, in our life, those topics in our life? What's defining the way that we look at them and the way we act in our life is as a result of that? You know, we live in a day and age when... Uh, your worldview really matters. What you believe, it, it matters. You, you've got to know what your worldview is based on because there's high consequences for it. We live in cancel culture where it's so simple for somebody to say, ah, you know, you believe that, fine. You must believe this, 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 and this as a result and we do, I, we'll just cancel you. Um, Jesus compared 
this, uh, this building of a life, or, and I would say the same as building of a worldview, to, uh, to building a house. He, he, he had said to his, uh, you know, his most famous message, the Sermon on the Mount, he ends it by, by describing the story, famous, famous story. We're not going to go through the whole thing of, of the two builders, one who builds on the rock and one who builds on the sand. And his, base, his basic premise was, those of you who hear my word and you do it, you're like somebody who builds on a rock. Those who hear the word and don't do it, he says, you're actually like building on sand and uh, it's not going to go well for you when a storm comes. And James, the brother of Jesus, would later write to the new believers and saying, you know, be a, be a hearer of the word and a doer. If you hear and don't do, you deceive you. We've often made that statement. If you hear and don't do, you deceive you. And nobody likes to be deceived, let alone be deceived by your, by your, by your own self. You know, I've been reading through uh, uh, the whole New Testament. I finished reading through the whole New Testament at the end of December and then went right into beginning reading the beginning of the, the Old Testament in, uh, in January. And I found it interesting to go from Revelation to Genesis. We normally do it the other way around. We start in Genesis and we get to Revelation. But to, to, to just have finished the end of the story and then to jump to the beginning, it reminded me of watching like those, those, um, those movies where... It's like a murder mystery, and when you see the end, it's like, oh, okay, now I get the beginning. That, that, it was that guy all the time, and how did I not notice? And coming out of Revelation, seeing the end of the, the story of humanity, to, to, to see where it all began, it was eye-opening to me in a different way than, than previous times where I've read these, these accounts. And I, I believe that, you know, the truth is we're, we're actually living between those chapters of Genesis 1 and Revelation 22. We, we're actually living in between those chapters. And we're still affected by the choices made in Genesis chapter uh, 3. And so I wanted to take a, take a look at the account of Genesis chapter 3. And maybe, maybe you're here and you're watching and you're, you know, you think it's a historical story. Uh, maybe you think it's allegory. Maybe you think it's fiction. You're like, ah, I, don't, I don't even, maybe it's like, I don't even know if I believe any of that stuff before, you know, before Abraham. All, all I want to say is that it's, it's worth considering the, the, the moral of this story at the very least. Here in Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 to 7, it says this, The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He's, you know, God's created this garden of Eden, put, put Adam and Eve in this garden. He's given them this command. And then the serpent comes in and says, One day he asked the woman, Did God really say? And it just highlighted that because this is kind of the, the, the main point. What did God really say? You know, Genesis tells us in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And he gives this command uh, to, to uh, the animals. And he gives this command to men to, uh, to, to um, be in dominion over the, over the planet. And then he gives them this, this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he says, you know, don't eat from that tree. You'll surely, surely die. And this is, what the, this is what the serpent's referencing. He's like, did, you say, did God say that you must not eat the fruit of any tree in the garden? Verse 2, she responds with, of course we may eat from the trees in the garden. The woman replied, it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. Because God said, you must not eat of it or even touch it. Because if you do, you will die. Goes on in verse 4, you won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. I mean, the, the tragedy is that they were already like God. They were created in his image. They, they, they didn't need to become like God. And it's in, in that moment, there's this thing, this thought that enters their minds. Wait a second. Not only could I be like God, if I'm like God, then I don't need God. And it was just this seed of the thought that I can build a world without God, that, that we don't need him. 
And what happens? You see the progression. The woman was convinced. Then she saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. And then she wanted the wisdom that it would give her. And so she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. And at that moment, their eyes were opened and suddenly they felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. And when the cool evening breezes were blowing, The man and his wife, they heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. And so they hid from the Lord among the trees. When the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He replied. He's like, I heard you walking in the garden. So I hid because I was afraid. You just see that progression of what happened when they took that and thought, you know what? I want want to create a world without a creator. I I, want to be God so that there doesn't have to be another God. And, and, And that's the heart of the issue. And here's where worldviews began. A differing worldview began was basically began with man's choice to take God out of the picture. Take God out of the picture. The creature who wanted to take away the, the need for there to be a creator, to create a world without a creator, which is the conundrum begins immediately because now you have something created that, ha- that, that in some way has to, f- to, to um, define how they existed. Okay, if there's no creator, well, then how did we end up here? And thus, they began a new worldview. You know, atheism. There is no God. And uh, as they live in that worldview, it's this question then, well, then what gives meaning to life? If there is no God, then what is, what's the purpose in life? Maybe it's just eat, drink, and tomorrow we die? And then there's some who think there's got to be more than that. But, you know, maybe there is a God, but he can't be known. And so a new worldview is born called agnosticism. And it's like, yeah, there, there may be a God, but we can't know him. So if there's no known creator, well, then who gets to define good and evil? In the beginning, we know it was God who determined what was good and what was evil. Everything he created. He's like created the, the sea and the animals. in. He's like, this is good. Creates trees. Like, this is good. Creates light. This is good. Creates man. He's like, this is very good. But he also determined what wasn't good. As he looked and he says, wait, this guy's alone. That's not good. It's not good for man to be alone. Let, let me fix that. And he makes this companion for him called Eve. And once again, he looks at his world and says, now it's, it's very good. He determines what's good and what's evil. But as soon as you say, you know, we're gonna, the, the worldview to remove the creator, remove the, the one who determines what's good and what's evil, now we're left with this void. Because how, how do we do that? And, and what happens? A new worldview is born. A new set of glasses, moral relativism that... Well, there's no absolute right and there's no absolute wrong. There's, there's no absolute good and there's no absolute evil. What's good for you is okay and what's good for me is, is okay. And, and then we see as what happens is as the stronger the person is, they get to determine what happens in life. What's good, what's not good. The, the, the saying that might makes right. You know, if you're the most powerful, whatever you do, well, I guess that's right. And, uh, you know, the ruler is the one who makes the rules. But what, what defines whether those rules are actually good or not good? If it's only in the, in the eye of the beholder. And it's a worldview. Well, then humans, maybe they realize, you know, we're the most advanced species on the planet. So as a whole, humans are the most important thing. And another worldview is born called secular humanism. Be good, you know, just be good for goodness sake. Because we're, we're, we're better than the animals. We, we, you know, we're the, top, we're the top of the food chain. So, but let's use our power, our authority for, for good and just be good for goodness sake. And, and then if, because humanity is the most important thing in this worldview, it's up to us to save humanity. And we come up with things like we'll stop death. 
You know, we'll find ways to stop disease. We'll save lives because we, it's all about us. We are the most important thing on the planet. Humanity, you know, you hear the thought when humanity, when there's no, no need for a creator. Well, humanity, it's ultimately good, right? Like humanity is ultimately good. There's just a few bad apples in the bunch. That, don't judge humanity based on, the, based on the worst specimens. Don't let one bad apple ruin the bushel. You know, I found it very interesting, this Albert Einstein quote that simply said this, I love humanity, but I hate humans. I'm like, this is a, this is men, this is a wise person, a smart person. Maybe I should take, take that differently. A, a very brilliant mind who says, I love humanity, but I hate humans. Well, humans is what makes up humanity. And if we can say, well, I love the idea of humanity, but I actually hate the actual humans, well, then there, there, there's kind of a problem with that statement. And out of that, all of a sudden, it's, it, it becomes, well, humanity is important, not necessarily the individuals themselves. Humans don't matter. It's, it's about humanity. And then, then what happens? Well, then we have to decide which, which groups of humans matter. And so we have all of these things. Black lives matter. You know, uh, every child matters. And um, critical race theory uh, is, is born. And and the truth is that every life matters. That, that life does matter. But when we have this, this, this distancing from, from God in our worldview, we end up wrestling with all of these, these other um, ways we see the world and, and, and create problems. And then we can come to places where it's like, well, it's humanity that's most important, of course. But, but who sustains humanity? Like, humanity is all about humanity. But, but what's actually sustaining humanity? And then we realize that humanity is sustained by the earth. Mother Earth, the, the planet, is now all of a sudden the most important thing because it sustains humanity. And what happens? A new worldview is born. Naturalism, the protect the planet, climate change, save the world. What the planet needs in order for the planet to be okay is to have less emissions, you know, less carbon, less humans. And, and, and all of a sudden... All of a sudden, humanity, humans, become dispensable because the worldview, they, they don't matter as much as the planet. And what happens? The thought process, well, life's, life's just biology, right? Because, I mean, there's no, there's no real meaning to their lives, and so um, it, it doesn't really matter how we treat them. When it comes to the, being a problem, well, you know, the, the baby in the womb, it, it doesn't matter. It's just biology, you know, the, the infants uh, or, or the, the, the elders or, you know, the ones who are like, we don't really have any use for them anymore. This realization that this thought process, we realize the worldview. It's like, well, they, they, they don't really matter. It's a worldview like that that would allow atrocities uh, like genocide or mass abortion to be considered and executed. It's the worldview that allows for Hitlers and Stalins and, and Maos to, to exist and push their agenda as far as they can. It, it's, it's a worldview. And all of a sudden, we think about that, like, realize, well, man, worldviews, the worldviews matter. I, I, I didn't think so much about my own, but man, their worldview matters to me. The way they see the world, it, it matters. But the truth is, our worldview matters as well. 
Because in the worldview of naturalism, it's like, well, whatever's good for the planet or, or good for the country or good for humanity or good for the future, that's what justifies these, these means. And so whatever you believe about the account of Genesis, I, I think that we can agree that the current worldviews around us are flawed and some of them are completely broken. And if we go back to the beginning, if we go back to that man and woman standing before a tree of choice, the question they had in that tree was, will I acknowledge God in the picture or not? And I would just propose to you that tonight, every single one of us stands before that same tree of choice. In our building of our worldview, will I acknowledge God or not? Will I acknowledge God as the creator in my life? Will it's, he is the master in my life. He is the, the Lord of all or not. You know, we've each been born into and we live in uh, that same situation right now where, the, where the, the, our current worldview hinges on just that one question. Who or what will determine my worldview? What will determine the way that I see the world? Will I acknowledge God in this picture? Or not? Does what he says matter or not? And to the Jesus followers, I think it's really, really important. Because for us, that's what we would claim, that we are followers of Jesus. So let's fast forward to the New Testament where we see the life of Jesus. And we see Luke, who's a historian. He was uh, not an eyewitness, but he was an earwitness of the eyewitnesses of the life of Jesus. And so they told him the accounts, their eyewitness accounts, and he wrote them down. And here's what he tells us in Luke 4, verse 1 to 13. It says, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River, and he was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing all that time, and he became very hungry. And then the devil said to him, If you're the Son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus said to him, no, the scriptures say people don't live by bread alone. Then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. He says, I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them. Um, The devil said, because they're mine to give to anyone who I please. And I'll give it all to you if you will worship me. And Jesus replied, the scriptures say, You must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem to the highest point of the temple and said, if you're the son of God, jump off for the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect and guard you and they will hold you up with their hands. So you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. And Jesus responded, the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. And then the devil had finished tempting Jesus. He left him until the next opportunity came you know, it's a famous, famous story, again, from kids' church. But, man, what, what uh, an incredible, incredible thing in this, in this short account is that Jesus, his declaration reveals his worldview. It reveals how he sees the world when he's met with temptation. You know, he, he responds, his response is, Scripture says. Whatever came his way, his response began in the same place every time. Scripture says. Scripture, what is, that, what is that saying? I am going to acknowledge God in this picture. So in this account, in this, in this happening, I'm going to acknowledge God by simply saying, Scripture says. What was the temptation? The temptation to all of them was, you don't need God in the picture. You, you don't. You, you just, like, think about it. With the bread, he's like, you just need you. He's like, why don't you? You have the power to do it. Why don't you just make bread out of these stones? And his simple response is, my worldview does not trust me as my provider. I simply trust God. He, you know how the story starts? The account starts, he's led in the wilderness by Holy Spirit. 
He's like, I'm being led by Holy Spirit. I'm not going to do what you tell me to do. I will, I will only obey what he tells me to do. Why? Because I acknowledge that he, my worldview is based on what he says. What I hear him say is what I repeat. You know, the second thing he says, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. And what's his response? The scriptures say, my worldview doesn't view worldly success as something to be achieved. You, maybe you think that's something, Satan, but, but I don't. My worldview doesn't, doesn't look at that and go, wow, I'll, I will sell my soul if I can just achieve worldly greatness. My worldview doesn't, doesn't look at it that way. You know, and the third one, you know, you can t- test God. Just test God to see if he really cares about you. What is that? I mean, I see this all the time. It's all those, those seeds of doubt put into people's minds. God doesn't really care about you. Or, you know, like he didn't answer the prayer that you wanted. You know, how do you really know? And, and uh, Jesus is not like even moved. It's not like here he is. He's in the desert. He's, he's uh, 40 days. He's hungry. You know, he's kind of would say we, most of us would be in a low point at that point. He's like, my worldview isn't built on wondering whether, God, uh, whether God's good or whether God cares about me. He's like, I know him. My, my worldview is based on the confidence of who I know. And, and, and the same thing, you know, he doesn't, he, doesn't, uh, he doesn't take the bait when Satan's like, well, scripture says this. He, he's, he's smart enough, obviously he's God, but he says he knows what God meant by what God said. When God said something, Jesus knew what he meant. Because man, how often is scripture twisted to say something that it doesn't mean? But Jesus knew well enough, because he didn't say, oh, oh, okay, so if I jump off, the angels are going to catch me. Oh, I had no idea what that meant. Okay, stand back saying, three, two, one, cannonball, jump off the temple. Like, we don't see that. Why? Because he knew what God meant with what God said. And his worldview was based on a complete understanding of the word of God and the God of the word. His worldview was based on a complete understanding of the word of God and the God of the word. And I think about, I think about that today as a challenge to us. You know, we see Adam and Eve. The, the opposite of that garden. Jesus in the wilderness going through the similar temptations responds differently. Adam and Eve in the garden, what did they do? Their, their desire to eliminate God from the picture in their minds was we won't need God in the garden. And what happened? God didn't leave the garden. In actuality, the opposite happened. It was paradise lost for them. They ended up having to, to, to leave the garden when God showed up. You know, when he, I, I say it this way, when, because God did show up and when he did, they hid. When he did, they hid. And, and people still hide from him. People still hide. John actually writes about it in his gospel, John chapter three. It follows the famous verses of 16 and 17, um, uh, where it's, you know, the, for God so loved the world verse. He says this, verse 18, there's no judgment against anyone who believes in him, who believes in Christ. He says, but anyone who doesn't believe in him has already been judged for not believing And God's one and only son. Verse 19, here's what it is. The judgment or the separation is this. It's based on this fact. He's talking about judgment being like like the separation of two two groups or or multiple groups of people. He says this, this, in this instance, it's two. He says, God's light came into the world. We know earlier in John that he writes that Jesus was the light of the world. That Jesus, the light, uh, came into the darkness of the world. He says this, but people loved The word is they had an inordinate affection or a lust for darkness. So they loved that darkness more than they loved the light for their actions were evil. 
Verse 20, all who do evil, which is not all who sin, you know, once or twice or whatever. It's all who practice in a habitual way. They habitually practice evil. They hate, they detest the light, and they refuse to go near it. The light being Jesus. When the light comes in, it's like, no, they, they, they scatter to, to, to find anywhere away from the light. Simply for this, they, says they refuse to go near it for, their fear, they, for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they're doing what God wants. Just as Adam and Eve, you know, grabbing that, that worldview, saying, I, I want to I live life without God. When God shows up, it's like, oh, it's this, it's this we, we, we got to hide. You know, we have these, these opposing worldviews right now. And it's, it's, it's wise for us to be aware of that fact because there's strong responses between those worldviews. Love and hate, those are like strong, strong words. And Paul writes to the Romans about it. And we're going to look at this in a couple of weeks, but he writes to the Romans and he explains the fruit of taking the fruit, the, the, the long-term effect of that short-term action. And he writes it this way in Romans 1, verse 28. He says, since they, and he's talking, about, he's talking about mankind in general. It fits in the garden and it fits everywhere in the Old Testament. It fits today. He says this, since they thought it was foolish to acknowledge God. Here we come right back to that thing. The worldview is, I don't want God in my picture. He's like, since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that they sh- that should never be done. Verse 29, their lives became full of what? The fruit. Full of the fruit of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, gossip. They're backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, boastful. They invent new ways of sinning. They disobey their parents. They refuse to understand. They break their promises. They're heartless. They have no mercy They know that God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, but they do them anyway. And worse yet, they encourage others to do them as well. I mean, it is a long list, but it is not an exhaustive list. It's basically saying that that taking that fruit of not wanting God in the picture, it leads to just this this downward spile of depravity. When we say your worldview matters, how you see the world, how you look at the world matters. It be, it's because it determines your actions. It, it's the, the fruit of your life is a result of what your worldview is. And it matters what your worldview is based on because everyone already has a worldview. You have one. I have one. We already have one. The question we have to ask is what's it based on? Really? What is it based on? Really? Instead of looking through our worldview, it's a chance to take it off and say, well, I gotta, let me examine this for a minute. <laughs> what am I actually looking um, how am I actually looking at my world? So as we wrap this up today, I, I'd encourage you with the, with, to, to be thinking about that. Ask yourself the question, as a Jesus follower, am I thinking Christianly? Do I even think about how I'm thinking? I think um, Brenda Dross was, had shared a message about that not, not too long ago. Am I thinking about how I'm thinking? Because a follower of Christ logically should think Christianly. A follower of Christ should think Christianly. So what worldview will I look at the world through? Will it be scripture? Will it be the word of God? Even if I don't always like its take on things? Or will I find other worldviews that maybe fit a little bit better with how I feel? Or how others around me feel. What will be my worldview? 
You know, I think if we look at it, Adam and Eve wish that they could, they wish that they could eat the fruit and then forever they wish they hadn't. And Jesus probably wished that he could have made some bread and ate in that moment, but chose a better fruit instead, the fruit of obedience. You know, there may be some things that you wish you could change about the word, but my question is, will we build on it rather than on human reasoning, on feelings, on opinions, on worldviews around us? And, and the challenge tonight is this. I'm not, not really wanting to tell you what to build. I'm not, I'm not trying to tell you this is what you, this is, here's, here's the worldview I want you to have. But just to simply look at how to build a worldview. As a Christian, how to build a scriptural, biblical Christian worldview in 2022. Let me leave with this thought. Paul encouraged Timothy with these words, 2 Timothy 2, verse 15. He says, work hard. Other translations say, study, be diligent, so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. You know, he's, so throughout scripture, there's things of that, that, I, that being given to, to studying the word. We see an example in the life of Jesus. We see it in Timothy's uh, commendation here, or Paul's commendation to Timothy saying, study. Dig deep into the word of God. Know it well enough that you can explain it. And I think that truth is, is for us as well. You know, we think about the beginning with the wise man and the foolish man. The translations say that the wise man, he dug deep in order to hit the foundation so he could build on a rock. And I think about that with scripture. Have you dug deep enough into scripture to understand what it means, not just what it says? Have we dug deep enough to understand what it means? The foolish builder, he didn't dig at all. He's just like, man, you know what? Yeah, that other guy over there said this, so I guess I can just build here. There's an intentionality for us to say, what am I, am I convinced that what I'm building on is true, is right, is good, is, is profitable, is holy? Because I'm building a worldview. I'm building a worldview. What, what's our worldview based on? Is it based on his word? Is it based on what he says about it? Is it based on what he says about you? Is it, is it based on what he says about whatever thing, uh, issue we're dealing with in your life? Or is it based on other worldviews around you? Does, uh, does it acknowledge, does your worldview acknowledge him in the picture? That whatever I face, God, God, what do you think about this? And then going through scripture and it's like, let, help me find what you think about this and then give me courage to live my life along with that. Because I'm a Jesus follower. So the, the challenge is this, is simply this, to, that we would simply use this year to bring God into every aspect of our worldview. That we'd use this year to bring God into every aspect of our worldview. So maybe for you, you're here or listening and you're not a Jesus follower. It starts with bringing God's way of salvation into your worldview. Maybe for you, you thought your worldview was like, well, if I behave better, if I watch a sermon online, you know, my parents sent me this or whatever it was, you know, if I, if I, maybe if I give a donation, I feel better. If I try and behave better, or if I believe in, in the fact that there is a God, none of those things are God's way. They may be your worldview, but they, they're not his way. His way simply says that we need to admit that we have a need for him that we admit that we're sinners, that we, we're, we're lousy when it comes to us being God. And we've messed it up, screwed it up. We are contaminated to the core. And we admit that. And then second, to say, I believe, Jesus, that, that you came, hung on a cross for me, and you came to rescue me. You love me enough to take my sin. I, I believe that. And I put my trust in you. And then third, to confess him as your master, saying, okay, Jesus, 
I'm following you now. So let you change my worldview. Let me, let me renew my mind the way I used to think. Let me renew my mind to your word, to your truth. May I see the world the way you see it and the way you call me to see it as a Christian. And then secondly, for the Jesus followers, that we would use this year to renew our mind to think Christianly. That we would, we would be conscious of our worldview and how we see the things going on around us. And then to, to not only hear, but to do. To, to not just like, okay, well, this is what I figured out, but that I'm going to live that out. And then finally, to, to build a true biblical worldview in 2022. And I guess my question is this, would you be willing to do that together? Because there's such a power in doing these things together that, that maybe that involves joining a Bible study where you're like, okay, I'm actually going to go this year and I'm going to, to, to step across that, that, that chasm that I haven't yet done and I'm going to, to, to join a Bible study group where we're really studying, digging deep. Maybe for you, it's you're joining a men's group or a women's group where you know you're going to be challenged to read the word every week or, or maybe simply just to read through the Bible with us on version. And if you're like, I don't have anybody to read with, would you just send me a text? My number is 905-869-6470 and just say, hey, I, I want to read through the Bible with you. And I'll gladly add you to our group and, and have you have a chance to join with us. And then finally, you know, maybe you're gonna, over the next few weeks, I encourage you to come back that we have the chance to, 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 to look at some of the subjects, the topics in our world and begin to ask ourselves that question, am I looking at this through the lens of scripture? Am I looking at this with a biblical worldview? Am I thinking Christianly about this topic? And you know what? You may, as we look at these things, you may come to different conclusions than me. And I would challenge you with this thought. If you come to different conclusions, as a fellow Jesus follower, would you, would you push past the temptation to cancel and just say, I don't agree with him, so, so we're done. Would you push past that instead to challenge me? I'm asking for you to do it. Would you challenge me? But would you challenge me with scripture? Because I want to build a biblical worldview in 2022. So would you not challenge me with opinion or whatever, but would you challenge me? Would you, would you maybe, as necessary, correct me with scripture? Would you encourage me to, to, to seek the, the, and to know the truth? And may, may I be that in your life as well? To get us started in that, I'd love for you to take these questions. Maybe, you know, you're in a home church today uh, watching with a group of people. Maybe you've decided, you know, you're going to watch this alone, but you're going to go over this with some, some other people. I would encourage you with these, these questions just to get you started. So number one, what jumped out at you from today's talk? What was he like? Uh, I need to think about that a little bit more. Second, what would you say that uh, your current worldview is based on? If you had to be honest, what is the foundation of it? And, and, and if, if somebody in the group says, well, it's based on the Bible, my secondary question is, what in the Bible is it based on? What scripture? What have you mind to say, this is the rock that I have built this on. I've studied it. I've dug deep. I know that this is truth. I am convinced 100% this is why this is my worldview. Because I feel like too often Christians in North America are like, well, the Bible said, so that's it. But I've never, never figured out what it meant. And then third, Based on your amount of digging, uh, like we said with the two builders, which builder would you be more like? Are you the one who digs deep or are you like, mm, based on my history, I'm probably the other guy, to be honest about that. Maybe you're like, we're in a group of people, I'm like skipping that. <laughs> hey, you do you. And then, th- and then finally, uh, what will you do in 2022 to intentionally build your worldview? It kind of rhymes, eh? What will you do in 2022 to intentionally build your worldview?
What will you do? I'd encourage you as a Jesus follower to dig in deep and build a scriptural, biblical Christian worldview intentionally. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Again, pray that it's touched hearts today like it's touched mine. Thank you that the answers are right there in front of us if we would just look. Jesus, thank you for your example. Not only your example, but your sacrifice for us. Showing us how to live what's right and paying the price for where we got it wrong. Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for the life that we have in you. Uh, Lord, I pray that through this gathering of your family that you find the opportunity to shine through to the world around us with light and with truth, with hope. I pray that our world would be touched and challenged and would respond to your goodness and your gospel. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.